0: You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton, and I'm a psychologist, been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps, and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. It sounds a little like I was bemoaning. The fact that I did a lot of corporate work in last week's podcast. Nothing, of course, could be further from the truth. With my own background in the corporate environment, I was ideally suited to help people with the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune that batter us when we have a job. In our everyday lives. Now, I work for myself at this stage. I've worked for myself for nearly 27 years. I don't have any of that nonsense going on. Granted, I have other challenges. Anybody who works for themselves knows the challenges of being in that situation. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, one of the first challenges that I was confronted with when I started working for myself was the realisation, which dawned on me after the event, I know this sounds stupid, that my salary wouldn't be dropping into my bank account at the end of every month automatically in the way in which it used to. That's an aside. That has nothing to do with anything. The key point I want to make at the start of this week's podcast is that I met a lot of really interesting people as a result of the corporate work that I had done. Met a lot of normal, crazy people as well. And I met an awful lot of normal, crazy people who were quite content in their ignorance to be normal, crazy people and to remain so. But there are some people whose lives changed, transformed as a result of the work that we did together. Obviously, not just from a business point of view. The interesting thing is that an awful lot of my one-to-one clients over the years, in other words, not when I was working with teams or leadership teams in organizations, and an awful lot of owners of the online program, are business people. Most of them are business people. A lot of them hold corporate jobs, some of them hold really important corporate jobs. And. One of the things that I always noticed in working one-to-one with somebody in a leadership position in a corporation was that they realized very quickly that business was only a game and that life is the real thing. I would sit down with, say, a chief executive or a general manager or a country manager at half past eight or nine o'clock on a Tuesday morning. We'd be together perhaps for a day or two. And probably by midday they'd say to me, this isn't really about business at all, sure it isn't. Now, they would have approached me and engaged me from a business perspective. But here's a quick snapshot of the realization that people have that there is far more important stuff going on in life than business. Oh, By the way, I'm not saying business is unimportant, I'll come back to that. Or I mightn't in this podcast, who knows? I was engaged by a guy a number of summers ago. This was an online engagement, so I never met the guy face-to-face, to to do six one-to-one sessions with him because he had just been given a big job, a big leadership job in a very large organization. And he came on to me and he said, I need to develop my leadership skills because I fear that I don't have those leadership skills. I said, well, hold on, before we go any further, Let's discount whatever mad fear is going on in your own head because fear is the result of thought. There's no such thing as real fear except if you're confronted by a man or woman eating tiger jumping out of the bushes in front of you, or you happen to have your stiletto heels stuck in the rails of a level crossing as an express train is coming in your direction. Other than those things, there's no such thing as fear in your life. So he said, I fear I don't have those leadership skills. I said, well, the people who've just given you the big job don't seem to agree with you, do they? He said, still, I want to do these six sessions with you. The third session. They were a week apart. The third session started with him saying to me, he said, a funny thing happened at home over the last couple of days. And it kind of came to a head at Sunday lunch. And I said, tell me more. And he said, my wife turned to me over Sunday lunch and she said, you know, John, you're a much nicer person than you were before you started talking to that guy. Now, obviously, I didn't want to know the details, but his behaviour had been transformed as a result of him developing his ability to be present. And, of course, presence is the hallmark of all great leaders. But the fact of the matter is that this guy had come along to me from the perspective of corporate leadership. And it dawned on them that the key thing that we need to do in our lives is lead our own lives. You see, when we use our mind normally, we're one of a cast of thousands in the madness that goes on around us all of the time. Do you really want to have a bit part, a non-speaking part in your own life? Or would you prefer to live your life to the full? To be the writer, producer, director and star of the show? The show being Your Life. That's what all these podcasts are about. So regardless of whether you're working in a business or own your own business or working in a business and would like to own your own business, business is only part of the equation. Business, more often than not, is just a game. By the way, I have to say, there are exceptions to that. Say if you're doing something that you absolutely adore like me, because I don't regard the business that I do, and I'm doing business at the moment in recording this podcast for you to listen to, I don't regard the business that I do as a game at all. It is serious business for a couple of reasons. Number one, I love it to bits. Absolutely adore it. It's not work to me at all. And number two, I know it makes a difference. The number of people who write to me regularly saying, oh, this happened or that happened or you changed my life. And, you know, sometimes I get emails from people saying, you changed my life. And one day I want to change my life completely and buy your online programme. These are people who have changed their lives already without having paid me a penny. The real action, of course, starts when you take a structured and disciplined approach to changing your life and understanding the key moves that you can make to literally transform your life to a life that you could never imagine. A life that would be beyond the imagination of that poor little thinking mind that we're all delivered with as normal crazy people. As I said, I've met some fascinating people who've gone on wonderful journeys as a result of my working with people in the corporate world. And there's one particular story that springs to mind and it is directly related to the theme of this week's episode. And this is a guy I met who was part of a leadership team. As I said last week, any time I ever met a leadership team, at the outset, they were obviously dysfunctional. Why, obviously? Well, if 96% of people, according to Harvard University and the American Management Association, if 96% of people are not in control of their own state of mind, because they're using their mind normally in the way in which nature intended, then they are dysfunctional. And if 96% of people are dysfunctional, and say there's 10 people on a leadership team, what are the statistical chances of you finding two functional people in a room of 10 people? So actually without exception, I have never started work with a functional leadership team. Many of the teams with whom I've worked in the end have been higher functioning teams, some of them highly functioning teams. Your average leadership team is supposed to be running a business in a coherent way, rowing their team boat in the same direction, all pulling together. And yet I'd walk into a room of 10 people. Some of those people would be driving the business forward, rowing hard forward, There'd be some dead weight in the middle, people with their arms crossed, not particularly interested in anything other than picking up that automatic paycheck that I mentioned earlier on, at the end of each month. You'd have some bad apples trying to row the boat in the opposite direction, but they were not the worst apples. Because there were some people on that boat, in every team I've ever come across, who were drilling a hole in the bottom of the boat, hoping that it would sink normal, crazy people. I met one particular leadership team probably 18 or 19 years ago at this stage, and they were your average leadership team, average dysfunctional gang of people. And when I met them first, some of them wanted to be there, some of them didn't want to be there, and some of them were actively undermining the effort that the leader of the team was making to get them to all pull in the same direction. I was with them for three days, three full days together. So we had two dinners on the first night and the second night, obviously, without going into too much detail. I won't tell you what we had to eat. But I recollect having a drink with one of the guys before dinner on the first night. And he said to me, you're talking absolute And I can't repeat the word that he said. Suffice it to say that it started with a B, ended with an X, and had two O's and two L's in the middle. But that's what he said to me. He said, you're talking absolute rubbish. He said, what you're saying sounds fantastical. That you can gain control of your state of mind and you can point your mind in a particular direction. I said, we've only started this conversation and we haven't gone into the science of it yet. He said, oh, I'd love to see the science of that nonsense. He said, because basically you must remember, we're all scientists on this leadership team. It it was a leadership team in a pharmaceutical company. And he said, you know, having met me early this morning when we all introduced ourselves, my name is Thomas and I wasn't called Thomas for nothing. I am the proverbial doubting Thomas, and you are talking nonsense. I met that team again for another three days, six months later. And a couple of people were beginning to experience the results of developing their own ability to be clear in their own minds. One of the key results they were experiencing because they worked in a high pressure and potentially high stress environment was that they had stopped suffering from stress and that they were better able to, and this is their word, not mine, cope with the challenges of everyday business and everyday life. And of course, one of the big challenges they had in everyday life was that they were spending much. Too much time in their everyday business and not enough time with their families who were growing up and moving out as they were actually trying to plow on in their business lives. I met them again six months later. And after a particularly interesting day, on the first evening, we sat down together at dinner again. And I ended up sitting beside Thomas. Thomas was still doubting Thomas. And we had a conversation. It was a much more amicable conversation than the first one we'd ever had when he told me the kind of nonsense that he thought I was talking. And this conversation went on. I don't know how long it went on for, but we seemed to get lost in the conversation, maybe we found ourselves in the conversation, to the extent that it didn't appear that anybody else was at the table. It was just the two of us deep in conversation. And we were interrupted by a waitress Offering us some more wine. A welcome interruption, by the way, not because the conversation was not wonderful, but everybody likes being offered more wine. The conversation was interrupted. I picked up my glass of wine, uh, as did he, and we clinked our glasses together and said cheers. And he said to me, Ah, now I understand. He said, Now I've got it. Not only do I understand, I actually can feel a difference as a result of that understanding. Everything that you've been talking about now fits into place. It's clicked into place like a Rubik's Cube. And I said to him, what did we talk about in the last 15 or 20 minutes that has allowed the penny to drop? And the interesting thing is neither of us could figure out what had been said That had enabled him to be struck by proverbial lightning on the road to Damascus, granted two years later. The first point I'd make then in relation to this, and in relation to everything that we talk about here, is that the more you immerse yourself in this material, the more you listen to these podcasts, the more you watch my little short videos on a Thursday morning, And if you don't get them, there's a link that goes with this week's podcast episode where you can click to sign up to my free weekly resources. I've been sending out free weekly resources, a video, a quick tip, a reflection, sometimes a normal crazy people story just for a little bit of diversion and entertainment. And obviously, my podcast goes into this particular Thursday email as well, although The podcast, as you know, is actually published on a Wednesday morning and there's a load more stuff. For example, you have access to all previous and the 700 and something of them at this stage, all previous videos back to 2008. The more you listen to other people talking about this, the more you read about this, the more you read some of the books that I have recommended on this, the more you immerse yourself in the material, the more pennies will drop. For the simple reason that the same thing can be said to the same person 100 times, and it will only be on the hundredth time, because of circumstances, because perhaps of the challenges the person is facing on that particular day or in that particular moment, it'll only be then that the penny drops. It's interesting. It's a really interesting point. Owners of the online programme, the Psychology of Success online programme. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to sell you that. Enrollment to it is actually closed at the moment, but I want to make a point. Owners of the online programme have the online programme for life. There's 72 core videos in it, and there's another 31 advanced videos in it, and there's a load of other videos, and there's all the science. All of the science that my friend Thomas needed before the penny finally dropped. But all the programme owners go back over that online programme again and again and again. And indeed, pretty much all of the programme owners as well don't just participate in our fortnightly Zooms or listen back to them. They listen back to those conversations and there's nearly a hundred hours of them at this stage again and again and again. And every single person tells me that, oh, for example, when I went through the online program the second time, I picked up stuff that I said to myself, I didn't hear that the first time. I didn't see that the first time. Now they're picking up stuff the second time that they didn't pick up the first time or subsequent times as a result of their having more knowledge, of being in deeper into the whole understanding and ultimately the experience of what it's like to live your life to the full. And for starters, coming back to the word that I used earlier on, to be coping with the stuff that life throws at you every day. So immerse yourself in this stuff because sooner or later, pennies will drop. One more point actually in relation to that is that very often on our Zooms, when I have these Zooms with online program owners, or even on my Facebook Live, I've seen this. And if you look at some of the comments in my Facebook Lives, you'll find people saying, "Uh aha, A penny has dropped, and in the Zoom conversations, the penny will often drop as a result of somebody else saying something in relation to their experience, rather than me trying to explain it, that enables somebody else to go, "Uh aha, now I've got it. Now it's all clicking into place, like that proverbial Rubik's Cube that I mentioned a few minutes ago. But I brought up Thomas for a completely different reason. When I met Thomas first, he wasn't just a doubting Thomas. He was a hot-headed Thomas. And that's not my description. That's a description of somebody who worked for him. Many years later, the person who worked for him had been promoted to the leadership team that Thomas was still part of. And many years later, we were all sitting around in a room on one of those two or three day sessions that I would have with the team. And we were talking about how much we had progressed on the journey of developing our ability to be present and what that actually felt like and how it had made a difference in our lives. And Thomas told the following story. He said, I was preparing for an important European leaders' meeting in Zurich. And I got so immersed in preparing for the meeting, so busy in the office, that I forgot to check in for my flight from Dublin to Zurich online. He said, so when I got to Dublin airport in a little bit of a rush, he said, I went to the check-in machine, put in my details, and the check-in machine said to me, you need to talk to a member of ground crew. Now he was in a rush at this stage. This is hot-headed Thomas, by the way. He goes over to the ground crew. He has to queue for 10 minutes. And he gets to the desk, the customer service desk, and he says, I got this message on the screen that I had to check with you because it wouldn't allow me check in to my flight. And they said, where are you flying? He said, to Zurich. They said to him, did you not check in online beforehand? He said, I forgot. I hadn't got the time. They said, give us a minute. And it took them a couple of minutes. So now, normally, listen to that word, hot-headed Thomas would be getting hot, not just in the head, but under the collar. They came back to him and they said, we're very sorry, hot-headed Thomas. Now, they didn't call him that. I won't give you his full name. We're very sorry, hot-headed Thomas. That flight is overbooked. We don't have a place for you. He said, but it's five o'clock in the evening. This is the last flight to Zurich, and I have a meeting in Zurich at half-past eight in the morning. He said, I suppose it is what it is. Now, that clearly is not hot-headed Thomas. And they, behind the counter, were expecting a shouting match. And they said, oh, my God, you really have an important meeting in the morning. Let us bring you to the departure gate and see if we can help you. Right. Totally different reaction to the one you would normally get when you react yourself. In other words, most people in a situation like that will go, what? You need to do something about it. What the hell? No, totally different reaction because he didn't react. He acted in a calm And considered and reflective and present away. Three ground crew brought him to the departure gate and still there was no place available for him on the flight. And the three ground crew were getting more and more stressed out, more and more upset about Thomas's predicament, while Thomas was getting more and more chilled out. He was actually saying to himself well there's nothing i can do about this i'm going to miss this important leaders meeting in zurich tomorrow he said i might as well just book into a hotel here this evening and have a nice meal and enjoy myself there's nothing else i can do so thomas was getting more and more chilled more and more present if you will the gate was about to close the three ground crew were literally in pools of perspiration, stressed out by the fact that Thomas wasn't getting on the plane. When, following the last call, two people who had checked in didn't turn up at the gate and Thomas was given one of their seats. He got exactly what he was looking for by not pushing for it. He got exactly what he was looking for, what he needed, what was best for him, because that was a very important meeting. That ultimately was very important from the perspective of his career. He got exactly what was best for him as a result of being clear and present and calm and accepting. Now hold that particular word for a minute. Just hold that thought. He told this, as I said, around the fire, so to speak, with the leadership team. And the girl who had worked for him when he was hot-headed, Thomas, and was now part of the leadership team, said, That's not the Thomas I worked for. What has happened to you? He said, What has happened to me? I've gained control of my own state of mind. I am completely at peace and clear in my mind. He said, and I'm completely at peace and clear in my mind under the most potentially stressful situations to the point where I don't suffer from stress anymore. The things that used to stress me out are like water off a duck's bag. I flow through life and I do what I need to do, even in situations that others would say to themselves, Are highly challenging. How do you deal with that?" Now, I'm not saying that Thomas wasn't still demanding. I want to finish this story of Thomas with a particularly funny anecdote, because he was part of a European leadership team, as you gathered from the Zurich story, but he was also part of a global leadership team. And about two years later, I was talking to one of his colleagues on that global leadership team as they got together in Austin in Texas for three days. And this, this girl said to me, she said, Thomas has the cleaning staff in the hotel run ragged. He's driving them crazy. I said, why? She said, we've been here for six days. And Thomas, as you know, meditates every single morning. Listen to that. He meditates every single morning. And based on the advice you gave him recently to push himself a little further, he started meditating by sitting cross-legged on the floor. And he has started telling the cleaning staff that they haven't properly vacuum-cleaned around the skirting boards or dusted some of the lower parts of the furniture. I know, I know. Crazy stuff. Funny stuff. Funny stuff. The key thing is that he is where he is as a result of meditating every day. As a result of that, he has experienced, he has got something that every single person with whom I have ever worked wants more than anything else. And that is calm, presence, and peace of mind and acceptance. I used that word a minute ago. Well, I used the word accepting a minute ago. Same thing. Here we are living our lives to the full in this moment, if we're present. Here we are lost in thought in this moment, not even realizing that we're missing our life go by if we're using our minds normally. But if I have developed my ability, if you have developed your ability, To live your life in a clear way, you will be experiencing the peace of mind that goes with that clarity and presence of mind in every situation so that you can fully accept what is going on. Acceptance when I was growing up in Holy Catholic Ireland was, you know, accept your punishment, it'll do you good in the next life. That's not the acceptance I'm talking about. I am talking about accepting the moment for what it is. Because in a clear and present state of mind, not only is this it in the moment, in a clear and present state of mind, we know that in this moment, because we're breathing in and out, We appreciate the fact that we're breathing in and out. We appreciate the fact that we have the opportunity to do what we need to do to move to where we want to go in this moment. We appreciate the fact that we even have the opportunity in this moment to do the stuff that our thinking minds would say. I prefer not to have to do that at the moment because it's one of life's challenges. I wish I could put it off or I wish it'd go away. In that state of mind, when we are clear and present, we are accepting. We are accepting everything, because in this moment, in that state of mind, in the reality of the moment, all is well. It's only our thinking minds that think otherwise. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough, called... Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit wwwwillie hortoncom